Today from the Global Lane, civilians targeted for attack in Nagorno-Karabakh, the UN investigating for war crimes and the use of illegal munitions. Cluster bombs are being used on an almost daily basis. Billionaire George Soros and the attempt to remake America. Shockingly, Christian groups may be involved. Why would George Soros, an avowed atheist who sees himself as some kind of god, be giving money to religious organizations? And social media censorship. Time for big tech to stop playing Big Brother? And it's all right here on the Global Lane. The United Nations is examining the possibility that war crimes are being committed against the people of Nagorno-Karabakh. Fighting has raged in that disputed region since late summer. Both Amnesty International and Human Rights Watch now say cluster bombs are being used against civilians there. That would be a violation of international agreements banning cluster bomb munitions. Chuck Holton brings us this first-hand look at the personal toll the fighting is taking on Armenian Christians in Nagorno-Karabakh. I'm in the capital of the Nagorno-Karabakh region of Armenia called Artsakh, or this is the city of Stepanakert. Uh, behind me you can see the effects of the Azeri bombardment that has been hitting this city since September 27th. Now, of the 150,000 people who live in this area, most of them have already had to flee, but there are still tens of thousands of people that are staying here, sleeping in their cellars, in their basements, and listening to the daily barrage of random artillery that's falling on this city. On September 27, when we woke up, we heard the loud sounds of explosions. We saw the bursts, uh, the smoke. We understood what's going on. And my dad told us to uh, take all of our, our things and to go to his uh, shops underground cellar. This is Rosa. She's 83. And she was sleeping in that room right behind me when this bomb flattened her house. This was a very large bomb. And this is not near any military objective or anything. It's just random bombing of civilian areas by Azerbaijan supported by Turkey. Rosa says the fact that she survived is nothing short of a miracle. Meanwhile, President Erdogan of Turkey has sent military assets to help Azerbaijan as this conflict has become a power struggle between regional superpowers. Armenia has limited support from Russia, but the Armenian military is still outnumbered five to one. And as the violence continues to intensify, Armenians are vowing to fight to the bitter end and are putting their faith in God. Chuck Holden has just returned to the USA. He joins us via Skype. Chuck, it's good to see you. I'm glad you're in one piece there. So tell us what you discovered about cluster bombs being used against the people of Nagorno-Karabakh. Well, Gary, I certainly saw evidence of cluster bombs being used in the capital city of Ar Arsak, which is called Stepanakert. And uh, this is the center of the Nagorno-Karabakh region. Now, uh, the, the people of that area uh, say that, that those sorts of cluster bombs are being used on an almost daily basis. They certainly were used uh, one of the days that I was there, and we saw, we saw proof of that in the damage that they caused, and it's a very particular kind of damage caused by cluster bombs, and then also uh, in the empty shells of the delivery devices, the, the missiles that were used to deliver the cluster bombs, which unfortunately were made in Israel. Yes, uh, that's what we've heard. And, and I understand that it's not just the Armenians 
that are being targeted, but also Armenia using them against Azerbaijan. Neither one signed the convention on uh, banning those uh, munitions. Azerbaijan uh, claims that. They've got a very good press office that is putting out a lot of propaganda. Uh, in talking with the, uh, the Armenians, what they're saying is that, A, number one, we are not targeting civilians. Uh, if we target a military installation or military uh, target and the, sometimes the bombs miss by a little bit and hit a civilian area, we actually are uh, warning the areas that we're going to fire upon before we fire upon them. So the, there's been a lot of talk about the bombing of the city of Ganja. Well, uh, the, the president of Arsak actually warned the city of Ganja that they were going to bomb it before they did. They actually put out a list of the targets that they were going to, to aim at, the, the military targets. And um, it, they're, what they're saying is that in the case of the, uh, the bomb falling on a, an apartment complex that was nearby one of the targets and, and the, the missile just missed. Uh, now, I don't, you know, this, again, this is what they're saying. This is their side of the story. Uh, obviously, uh, the Azeris have a different story, but I can tell you that one of the things that I've, I've noticed, the Azeris are not very good at uh, their, their propaganda efforts in their accuracy, because, for example, they put out a, a photograph of a missile that they claim came from Azerbaijan that had gone through a roof, uh, through a ceiling and through uh, a wooden table and embedded in the in the ground and did not explode. The only problem was the missile was backwards. Uh, so the nose of the missile was sticking up in the air and the tail of it was embedded in the ground. So uh, it, it, uh, it doesn't lend a lot of credibility to what they're saying when it's obvious that they are concocting some of the photographs and, and propaganda that they're putting out. So Chuck, finally, what, what do we do to uh, see peace there? I know that uh... The people have talked about possibly another referendum to determine the future of the region. Uh, do they want another one? There's only one side in this conflict that's trying to take land that it didn't already occupy, and that's Azerbaijan. The, the Armenians definitely uh, want peace and would love to see peace right now, tomorrow. Uh, unfortunately, the, the Azeris have uh, been using very inflammatory rhetoric and say that they are going to not only wipe out the the people of Nagorno-Karabakh, but they're going to continue on and wipe out Armenia in full, which makes this an existential threat for the Armenians, and uh, they're going to fight to the finish. Okay, good work there, Chuck Holden. Thanks so much for courageously taking the risk to travel into another war zone to bring us that update. We appreciate you, Chuck. Thank you. Black Lives Matter, Antifa, and other leftist groups are working aggressively to bring political and cultural change to America. Can they be stopped? Who is funding this effort to transform the United States into the socialist states of America? The D. James Kennedy ministry is raising awareness with a new documentary, Billionaire Radical, George Soros and the Scheme to Remake America. Here to tell us about it is D. James Kennedy ministry president and CEO, Dr. Frank Wright. Dr. Wright, it's a pleasure to have you with us. So many of us know about George Soros, but fill us in for those who don't know about him. Who is he? What is he trying to do to America? Well, George Soros is a name that most people recognize, but don't put all the pieces together or connect the dots, you might say. He is, uh, he reminds me of Winston Churchill's comment 
about Russia. Churchill said of Russia that it was a riddle wrapped in a mystery inside an enigma. And that's not a half bad description of George Soros. First of all, he's Jewish by birth, but he denies God and he absolutely hates Israel. And yet he's very quick to call his critics anti-Semitic because of his Jewish DNA. But according to U.S. Ambassador uh, to Israel, David Friedman, Soros has done more to vilify the state of Israel and to fund anti-Israel propaganda and machines than almost any other person on the face of the earth. So here's a Jew who can't stand Israel and is doing everything he can to undermine it. In addition, Soros is uh, a wealthy man. He became fabulously wealthy from the free enterprise system, and yet it's his desire to make the rest of us live under Marxist socialism, or let's call it what it is, under communism. He fled communism in Hungary as a youth at the end of World War II, but wants the rest of us to live under it. Third, the piece about Soros that most people don't know, I think the scariest piece in many respects, is that he considers himself, and he calls himself an atheist. He says, uh, God was invented by man of necessity of some kind, but then he calls himself God, a God with a lowercase g. He said, I fancied myself some kind of God, and if truth be known, I had certain rather potent messianic fantasies as a young man. And he went on to say, it's a sort of disease when you consider yourself some kind of God, the creator of everything, but I feel comfortable about it now since I have begun to live it out. This is the thinking of George Soros, that he is orchestrating and is the architect of kind of a new world, or world order. In fact, Soros said about himself that his personal goal was to become the conscience of the world. Now, Gary, this is a man with a, with a lofty self-regard, wouldn't you say? Yes, so is he only after money or is he really interested in uh, creating this new world order? No, he's made more money uh, than he could ever spend. It's estimated he's already given $32 billion of his fortune away, and yet he still resides, I think, on 160 or 162 of the most wealthy people in the world on the Forbes magazine list. Fabulously wealthy, made all of that under the free enterprise system. Yet he's given a ton of it away, $20 billion alone, to his Open Society Foundation, which he created, he said, to help uh, fulfill his personal values. And uh, you might be interested in what some of those values are. They are uh, abortion, LGBTQ activism, open borders, euthanasia, legalized prostitution, anti-Second Amendment, of course, in favor of defunding the police, and what he calls judicial reform. Now, when Soros says he's in favor of judicial reform, he's talking about buying prosecutors by giving millions of dollars to their election campaigns. And when I say prosecutors, I mean hard left progressive prosecutors. Just three cities, as examples, with over a million dollars, in some cases close to $2 million election contributions given. Philadelphia, Chicago, Los Angeles, 
All three of those cities have radical left-wing prosecutors who oftentimes post, uh, require little or no bail, choose not to prosecute crimes at all. And Gary, you might remember the incident in St. Louis, Missouri, where the McCloskey couple were standing outside their home with firearms to defend their property against uh, rioters and that had broken into their gated community. And it was a prosecutor in St. Louis who swooped in and filed charges against the rioters, no way, against the McCloskeys for some kind of illegal use of a firearm. Uh, those charges were later dropped. But this is the way George Soros is engaging the judicial system of America and trying to undermine the rule of law. So is there evidence that he's actually funding Antifa and BLM? Antifa is a little tougher to track down. It wasn't wrong when uh, Vice President, former Vice President Biden said it's more of an idea than it is a clearly articulated organization. But the short answer to your question is yes. He uh, has funded Black Lives Matter, Antifa. He has funded just about every hard left organization in America. In fact, so much so that we have developed what we call the follow the money chart, which shows the flow of money from George Soros and other like-minded, extremely liberal foundations into the coffers of everything from the Southern Poverty Law Center, Black Lives Matter, you name it, any hard left organization, uh, Soros is the money man for that. Now, all the money doesn't come from him, but if you see George Soros's foundation make a contribution, the Ford Foundation, the McCle um, McKnight Foundation, all the rest of them are going to follow suit right behind. So he leads the liberal foundation world around by the nose and clearly funds all these organizations. Now, Gary, we did very, very careful research to document all this. We did not do an expose on George Soros taking that lightly. He's quick to sue. He's quick to cut, try to cut off your sources of support, uh, advertising and others. Well, we're a nonprofit organization. Uh, but he's also linked to some nefarious people. And so we we documented everything that appears in our 60-minute special, Billionaire Radical George Soros and his scheme to remake America. Up next, more with Frank Wright, who sets it straight on how some Christian groups are receiving money from billionaire George Soros. Now, more with Frank Wright and the new documentary, Billionaire Radical, George Soros and the Scheme to Remake America. Faith groups are taking money from him, correct? You know, that's the most discouraging part of this. In fact, we may do a follow-on special just on the flow of money to left-wing evangelical groups. The answer to your question is yes, to money, documented money transfers to uh, the Ethics and Religious, Religious Liberty Commission of the Southern Baptist Convention, to the Sojourners, of course, already a hard left organization, to World Vision, to other groups that have uh, evangelical names. Um, their commitment to evangelicalism is suspect, certainly their commitment to Christ. But uh, yes, the question which must be asked, why would George Soros an avowed atheist who sees himself as some kind of God, be giving money to religious organizations? And the short answer is the old saw about he who pays the piper calls the tune. And so you regularly see representatives of these left-wing organizations 
going out and standing before the media and supporting so-called progressive ideas. So much so that a friend of mine made a video, it might even still be available on the internet if someone wants to Google it, entitled Rent an Evangelical. It's undercover camera work of progressive people that say, anytime we need an evangelical to say something good about what we're advocating, we can rent one. And so Soros and his money, liberal money has infiltrated the church and mostly what we would call left-wing elements of evangelicalism. And probably if, if you put left-wing first, you probably have to put evangelical in, parent, in parenthesis. But uh, more and more organizations, Christian organizations, are willing to take money from him and dance to the Piper's tune. Okay, finally then, I know he's a U.S. citizen. It's not foreign money coming into U.S. groups. What can people do about it? Well, what needs to happen here is a thorough investigation of George Soros, especially his influence of the election. It's uh, been reported, and I think documented, that he spent over seven, between 70 and $100 million trying to defeat Donald Trump in this election cycle. Uh, he calls Trump a con man and a would-be dictator who wants to rule the world. Sounds a little bit like Freudian projection. But what we need is a congressional investigation to document his uh, hidden dark money influence with all these left-wing organizations, many of which are committing violent acts in the cities of America today, and, uh, and, and pull the veil, so to speak, off of George Soros and his minions and the influence they're having in undermining the institutions of America. Okay, we'll see how all of this flushes out uh, in light of the uh, election. The documentary is Billionaire Radical, George Soros, and the Scheme to Remake America. Dr. Wright, how can people view it? Well, thanks, Gary. They can go to our website, which is djkm.org, stands for D. James Kennedy Ministries, djkm.org. They'll see a banner there for all of the resources that we've developed. There's a one-hour DVD special. There's a book entitled George Soros Exposed the follow the money chart that I made reference to, and a database of all the liberal organizations on the left showing how their money is, is routed to all of these radical enterprises committed to the overthrow of the American ideal. Okay, Dr. Frank Wright, President and CEO of D. James Kennedy Ministries, thank you for your time. Thanks, Gary. Thanks for having me on. Homeland Security Acting Deputy Secretary Ken Cuccinelli says cancel culture censorship at Twitter and other social media companies is a grave threat to U.S. national security. Cuccinelli's comments came after Twitter suspended the account of Acting Customs and Border Protection Commissioner Mark Morgan. That censorship happened just before Twitter finally lifted its two-week ban on the nation's fourth largest newspaper. Twitter had blocked the New York Post and other users from sharing an investigative report about Hunter Biden and sensitive emails involving the Ukrainian energy company Burisma. The story was potentially politically damaging to former Vice President Joe Biden. Conservatives argued the social media giant was biased and was protecting the Biden campaign. Here's Senator Ted Cruz lashing out at Twitter CEO Jack Dorsey during a Senate hearing last week on tech giant censorship. Who the elected you and put you in charge of what the media are allowed to report and what the American people are allowed to hear 
And why do you persist in behaving as a democratic super PAC, silencing views to the contrary of your political beliefs? This is why I opened um, this hearing with calls for more transparency. We realize we need to earn trust more. We realize that more accountability is needed to show our intentions and to show the outcomes. I hear the concerns and acknowledge them, but we want to we fix it with more transparency. Mr. Dorsey, it's not transparency that's needed. What is needed is for Twitter monitors to keep their hands off the censorship button. I think it all comes down to free speech, influence, and trust. Do Twitter and other social media giants trust the American people to make their own decisions about the news and information they receive? I often post and share articles on social media that people don't like. Sometimes my followers and social media friends question my sharing of conservative or liberal content. But folks, I share news that people need to know. It's up to them to draw their own conclusions. My responsibility as a journalist is to withhold information that I know has been proven to be false. And when I see others sharing information that I know is false, then I point it out and I share the evidence. But those managing Facebook, Twitter, and other social media sharing companies are not journalists. They should not take on that role. America will be better off if big tech stops playing Big Brother and allows people to freely share information and ideas. If they fail to do that, they run the risk of the next Congress taking action against them by possibly lifting Section 230 of the Communications Decency Act. The code protects the social media giants from being sued over the content shared by their users. The lifting of Section 230 would make them responsible and vulnerable to costly legal entanglements, and that would possibly force them to change or lead to their demise. So stay tuned. Although Election Day is now behind us, the big battle against censorship and big tech is just beginning. There must be an open sharing of divergent views, no matter how distasteful or politically incorrect they may be. Well, that's it today from the Global Lane. Be sure to follow us on Facebook, iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, Parler, and Twitter. And until next time, be blessed.